Hello and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, the podcast where we discuss cybercrime as well as vulnerabilities that allow cybercrimes to happen, among, of course, plenty of other cybersecurity topics. But vulnerabilities are always a concern in software, and they're so common that so many of them are not super notable. The Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures database tracks the latest vulnerabilities, naming them CVE-the-year-. An arbitrary number of digits, really. So, typically vulnerabilities are not given common English names. That is reserved for really big vulnerabilities. And on this podcast, I wouldn't be sharing cybersecurity history if it wasn't really big. In this episode, we will be discussing Heartbleed, a vulnerability that touched nearly everything on the internet. Heartbleed itself was implemented purposely. Sort of. In 2012, it was implemented as an extension on TLS, which is a way of creating an encrypted tunnel through the internet. The purpose was to keep secure connections up without having to negotiate the connection every single time, which meant less work for your computer. The Heartbleed extension would be added to OpenSSL, which is a very widely used implementation of the transport layer security protocol. What TLS and SSL do by creating an encrypted tunnel is ensuring that any internet communications you make cannot be snooped on or eavesdropped on by an outsider. Encryption on the internet is really important, especially when you may be entering sensitive data into websites like, you know, credit card information or passwords or other types of personal information you may need to fill out on forms. But, of course, you also have a right to privacy for what you're doing on certain websites. And encryption definitely helps maintain that. But what exactly was so bad about Heartbleed? We know it was implemented as an extension and that it was pretty widespread. But what exactly made it a vulnerability rather than a quality of life upgrade? There was a bug in Heartbleed that allowed basically anyone on the internet to read the memory of the systems using Heartbleed, which would allow anyone to compromise secret keys responsible for encrypting the traffic I just talked about. This bug specifically involved improper input validation. Each Heartbleed message had something called a payload that was a certain length. If a hacker sends a request and makes the value of the link field greater than its actual length, Heartbleed won't double-check this and will copy extra data in its memory to fill the remaining length. That sounds really confusing, but it's not that bad. Let's say I type the word cat, C-A-T, and then I tell Heartbleed that the word cat is actually 1,000 characters long. The server will send back cat, but will then dump information from the server's memory for the next 997 characters. Remember when I said that SSL and TLS provide encryption, which means someone analyzing traffic from the outside can't see anything you're doing online? Those protocols encrypt and decrypt the message with something called a symmetric key. A symmetric key is called that because, well, it does both the encrypting and the decrypting. However, the symmetric key itself needs to be encrypted, because if you can encrypt and decrypt with the same key, as soon as that key is discovered, your information really isn't private anymore. So that key is encrypted by an asymmetric key, and an asymmetric key includes a public key, which can be used by anyone to encrypt a message, and a private key, which is kept on the system of the device that decrypts the message so only they can read it. Now you may be wondering, why are we even bothering with the symmetric key? Why don't we just use the asymmetric keys for the entire communication instead? Well, the issue with that is it's significantly slower to encrypt and decrypt using an asymmetric key. 
So it's better to just use a symmetric key, which is much faster at encrypting and decrypting the entire message, and then encrypt that much smaller by comparison key. So knowing that little bit about public key cryptography and knowing that Heartbleed is able to read into the system's memory, exploiting Heartbleed can be used to uncover the private key. And if you have the private key, which is supposed to remain private, the symmetric key can be decrypted. And of course, once you have the symmetric key, you can decrypt the original message. There are, of course, very major concerns when it comes to decrypting the original message. Things like passwords and session cookies can be taken and then used to compromise online accounts. And as I said earlier, you may also be entering more sensitive information onto online forms that you were under the impression was completely private. So what could be done to prevent this? This is a very serious vulnerability that could do a lot of damage. Thankfully, this bug was first discovered April 1st, 2014, and was patched just six days later. If you were paying attention earlier, you may recall I said that Heartbleed was implemented in 2012. That is true, the bug was only discovered two years later. Either way, six days may not sound like a lot of time, but it is a lot of time to perform a lot of attacks on a lot of private keys. And one thing you need to consider is that, like with many, many security updates, many people did not apply the patch right away. Two years after the patch, over 300,000 servers were still vulnerable, although thankfully that number has been dropping and dropping every year. However, applying the patch just isn't enough. If someone was able to reveal your private key, you will need to reissue or revoke your digital certificate in order to ensure web traffic can't be read. An entirely new private key is necessary, and all private keys should have been assumed compromised. So, has Heartbleed actually been practically exploited in the wild? Yes, multiple times. The most notable case being the Canada Revenue Agency experienced a breach in social insurance numbers belonging to 900 taxpayers, which was siphoned from the site in just six hours. In Canada, a social insurance number is kind of like a US social security number. It needs to be used to work in Canada and access government benefits. Many websites also recommended people change their password after fixing this bug, including the Internet Archive, SoundCloud, Amazon Web Services, Tumblr, GitHub, Pinterest, all Wikimedia websites, including Wikipedia, and Reddit, although this is not a complete list. If I gave a complete list, we would be here for a while. Services like LastPass were also vulnerable, but they had additional encryption, so thankfully, passwords were safe. This time. There were also game services affected, including Steam, Minecraft, League of Legends, GOG.com, Origin, Sony Online, Humble Bundle, and Path of Exile that needed to be fixed. Believe it or not, I'm still not done. There was some software that was also affected, including HP server applications, multiple different McAfee products, Oracle MySQL connectors, and WinSCP. Of course, there were more. I cannot list them all. Heartbleed was a massive incident and a sobering reminder that sometimes a lot of security is out of our controls. All we can do is follow the best practices, be aware of the vulnerabilities that exist, and patch them as soon as possible. Thank you to Heartbleed.com, Sysa.gov, Cloudflare's blog, and Troy Hunt for information regarding this vulnerability, as well as 
CTV News Canada and CBC Canada for information on the Canadian Tax Services data breach involving Heartbleed. As always, all my sources are listed in the pastebin description of this episode, so check those out if you want to read more about this vulnerability. And of course, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime. And until next time, stay secure. <laughs>